The Illinois House is now operating under new rules, and the Illinois Republican Party has a new chairman. So what does that mean for GOP lawmakers in the General Assembly? Our, our job is simple. We're focused on this building in this chamber, which is, controls the state of Illinois. Uh, we are laser-focused on fixing state government. We'll talk with the Republican leader of the Illinois House, State Representative Jim Durkin of Western Springs, on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock, and with us here today is the Republican leader of the Illinois House, State Representative Jim Durkin. Leader Durkin, thank you for being here. Peter, glad to be here. Glad to be back in the Capitol, too. You know, I was just going to point out, this is actually the first face-to-face, in-person interview we've done for Capital Cast in right about a year. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. Thank you. I'm glad uh, yeah. to be. Uh, now, this is great, and uh, it's, you know, I'm, we're transitioning back into the capital setting, and uh, I think all of us are, are, are ready to get back to some sense of normalcy. Okay, and so you are here back today. It's Wednesday the 10th, primarily to adopt new rules in the House. And Republicans have been pushing for rules changes for a lot of time on the theory that former Speaker Madigan just had too much power to quash bills and proposals. As we're talking right now, they haven't formally adopted adopted them yet, but you've seen the proposed rules. Uh, are they an improvement? Well, at first glance, I, I'll have to say that they don't really hit the mark that I was expecting. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, pleased that we had a, a new day in Springfield, a new speaker. Uh, one from the west suburbs, one who lives very close to me. Uh, and I hope with a, a new speaker would be a, a new era of uh, member participation, transparency. And that comes down to how the rules of the House are. are that comes down to how the rules of the House are, are promulgated. So what I've seen so far, and uh, it's, it's not what I expected. I expected more. Uh, I know that, his, that the speaker welched, our new speaker, his uh, members at... Uh, uh, would like to see a more open, transparent style uh, of how the House is run, particularly about how bills are taken from the Rules Committee and placed into a substantive standing committee. Nothing really has changed. And uh, I know that Speaker Walsh has stated that, uh, that this is a first stab at, at, our, at our House rules and will continue to work on them during the course of the uh, session. Um, I, I, I have a, a little bit of concern with that. Uh, he said that there'll be a working group. We've seen working groups in the past really accomplish not much, but I would hope we would have had a better product today. Uh, based on uh, my reading, I will discuss it with my caucus within the next hour and a half. I do not believe Republicans will be supportive of the House rules today. Uh, you know, this is supposed to be about a new spirit, a new, new time in Springfield, uh, but it doesn't change the, the, the rules of the road for the, uh, the way the House uh, operates. There are term limits for the speaker and the minority leader. Uh, there is a proposed rule that says the rules committee shall refer bills to substantive committees. It, it, um, exactly. The, you know, on the term limits, is uh, that's great. They're probably about 40 years to, uh, you know, should have done this many years ago. Uh, but now that Speaker Madigan's gone, you know, I, I can accept that. But I look at that as more surface as opposed to substance. Uh, the House Republicans have, on our own, within our caucus, we've instituted our own term limits. That was uh, four years ago. 
and that was for 10 years for the position of the House leader. So we're operating within our own set of term limits. So placing this in the House rules, um, it's fine, but it doesn't really get to the heart of the problem, the heart of the matter about how, rule, how bills are, um, how they're introduced and how they are treated um, by the majority party. Now, the Rules Committee is going to have the, they will be sending bills to the standing committees, but it doesn't mean that there will be a hearing on a bill. And there'll be a lot of power that, at least on paper, is going to be given to the chairman of the committee. But the way it usually works, it's going to come back to the speaker, whether or not who's going to get a vote or not. So uh, I'm not convinced that this is going to change anything. Uh, but a lot of it's going to be how the Democrats operate moving forward uh, over the next two months. I believe that we're going to start taking on committee work uh, under a virtual basis. Uh, I think that's a good idea. Uh, but again, we're getting into an area of the unknown, and also we're going to have to say that we have to rely upon the new administration. And I'll be quite frank, there's a lot of members in the House of Representatives, both Democrat and Republicans, who have PTSD from Mike Madigan and the way he ran this chamber. And we're not going to be so obliging uh, based on what we've seen in the new rules. Well, the reality is, though, that if Republicans want more influence in the House, they have to win more elections. And toward that end, the state party has just elected a new chairman, uh, Don Tracy from Springfield. Uh, I believe he's the first downstate chairman since the late 1980s. That's correct. Is that reflective of the fact that the Republican Party is becoming more and more a rural party? No, not at all. And uh, I live in the suburbs. I work in the city of Chicago. I have a law practice in the city of Chicago. Um, Suburbs have changed. Uh, we have more, uh, obviously, downstate Illinois, central Illinois, downstate Illinois have become increasingly Republican. Uh, but what we saw this past November, let me just talk a little bit about last November. Sure. And yes, influence is based on how many seats you have. It's all about numbers. And I'm just going to say that uh, last November, it was a House Republicans, uh, despite being outspent, uh, get this number, $39 million that Mike's, Mike Madigan had spent for his his team, $9 million for the House Republicans. And we actually won. We, picked, we have 10 new members. We actually uh, we have a net gain over Mike Madigan. Uh, and this is in a year that we were not supposed to. We were supposed to lose up to a dozen seats. So you put that on top of the fair tax, how it was, it was thoroughly destroyed. And that was a Republican, Democrat, independent vote who destroyed that. And also the, um, uh, the um, Justice McBride not being retained. That is, yes, there's a strong sense of, of Republican attitudes in downstate Illinois. But if you, if you look closely at the fair tax, you'll see how in legislative districts and all through Chicago, through Cook County and the Collar Counties, that question was thoroughly defeated. And I think that reflects a, a sea change in citizens throughout the state of Illinois. So Don Tracy is from Springfield. Don Tracy also is uh, part of a family that has one of the largest uh, businesses in Illinois, Dot Foods, and that is a family-run business out of Quincy. He is, he is a very accomplished lawyer, but he's also comes from a, a family that has built a business, and that's what we, a, a person that knows how, what it's like to, to make payroll, how to deal with uh, the regulatory nonsense that goes on not only through Springfield and also in Washington. Don Tracy has been a, um, a, a, um, an incredible advocate for Republican candidates for so many years. 
And having him at Springfield, it's an advantage. But Don Tracy also, I know, is a person that spends time in Chicago. I spend time in Chicago. So uh, I, I, the Republican brand right now is going to be, uh, in Illinois, is going to have an appeal towards disaffected Democrats who have watched the state finances get destroyed under Mike Madigan and Democrats and also with J.B. Pritzker. Uh, disaffected Democrats who watched the city of Chicago burn down last summer who are looking for people that are going to support them, people who are going to support the men and women who wear the badge, and people are going to make sure that, you know, that their property is not going to be apprehended by, by the criminal element. Okay, you mentioned the Republican brand. A couple of days before the chairmanship election, the party put out a statement acknowledging that there is a lot of division within the, the state party, primarily over former President Trump. Uh, Congressman Kinzinger was one of 10 Republicans who voted in favor of impeachment. Um, there's a lot of consternation, I guess, within the party over that. Do you see that playing out within your caucus here in the State House? No. Uh, our caucus is actually, we had, a, we had a reorganization of our campaign committee last night, and uh, it was probably the most enthusiastic meeting I've had with my colleagues. Uh, we are coming off of a cycle that we, uh, as I said earlier, we were expected to lose up to 12 seats, but we, we, we hustled, we, uh, we, we, we earned every dollar from our uh, donors, and we, put it, we spent it wisely, but we had a very strong message last uh, summer about corruption and also about state finances. So our caucus is 100% aligned. We are in a strong position to win seats in a midterm election. Uh, and uh, every one of my members walked out of a very enthusiastic meeting last night. No division at all. We, we, our, our job is simple. We're focused on this building in this chamber, which is, controls the state of Illinois. Uh, we are laser focused on fixing state government. You were twice the state chairman for John McCain's presidential campaigns. That's correct. Am I remembering that right? So You're absolutely correct. That um, definitely not the Trump wing of the party. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I, 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 uh, I still admire John McCain, and uh, he's a person that I will aspire to, to be. And, I, we, and I, I've said this before. We need more John McCains out there. We need, uh, we need statesmen. And that's who he is. He was a, a man that I got to know. We were personal friends. I uh, attended his funeral service. And uh, my family has a, we have an incredible um, uh, attitude and feeling towards uh, that great patriot. Okay. So what, going into this session, we're just kind of barely coming out of the pandemic cocoon. Uh, what's your caucus's goal for this session? Our caucus's goals are to Educate the governor and the Democrats that you cannot spend money that you don't have. It's real simple. We've been doing that, and we found out last, last budget cycle that the Democrats, which may go down as one of the worst budgets in the history of this state, you can't, you can't budget based on hypothetical revenues coming through in the future. We warned the Democrats, we warned the governor, we warned uh, House Democrats, Mike Madigan, that this is irresponsible, it's reckless to say that we're going to have a, uh, we're going to pass a budget that calls for $42 billion of spending, but we only have $38 billion in the state treasury. And the current year's budget was predicated on the idea that there would be more federal aid coming to state and local yeah. governments and federal aid, aid that never materialized. A hypothetical situation on, on Washington, which was a very volatile, which is still a very volatile arena, and to say that we are going to balance the budget based on a 
second round of a federal bailout money is just irresponsible. You can't do that. And we made that very clear. And also, the governor was counting on money coming from the passage of the fair tax. Again, hypothetical money that we're going to bake into our spending program. And that is just, per se, irresponsible. And that is put. That is why we're in the situation where we're at right now. That's why we have a, a $3 billion deficit. Okay. And, yes, the budget that the governor is going to propose, he admits, has about a $3 billion deficit. And that's for the fiscal year coming up. 22. Uh, starting July 1st, fiscal right. year 22. Where do you get $3 billion? Well, I'm not sure where he's getting it because right now, again, he's, um, he's, he's, he's going down the same road as he did last, uh, last, last May. And, again, he's talking about closing whatever he refers to as corporate loopholes, well, he, he which talked- is hypothetical, which is hypothetical. That's assuming that the legislature can pass bills that are going to close whatever he concerned, what he considers a, a loophole. He talked during the lame duck session about decoupling from the federal tax code to prevent business tax cuts that were part of the CARES Act from trickling down and hitting state budget. We look at that as a billion-dollar tax increase upon small and large businesses, the employers, the people that put people to work in Illinois. We wouldn't be, again, let's, I think we have to be, go back to where we were last year. The governor uh, proposed a budget spending plan of $42 billion last January. Uh, the world came to a stop with, the, with COVID. We realized that we were going to have a deficit. We were going to have a, a significant drop-off of, of state funding. The governor insisted on his $42 billion spending plan, even though the world and the businesses in the state of Illinois had come to a screeching halt, but continued on with it. So there has to be some recognition from the governor that they made a mistake. Okay. Road to redemption is always, you know, saying that, you know what, I, 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 you know, we, is by telling the truth and just uh, admitting to the faults. But we still get back to the question, where do you find $3 billion of cuts to balance the budget? I'm going to ask the governor. That's, that's on the governor. K-12 education, higher education, Medicaid. We have to start with what he spent over the past two years. Uh, when we, the FY19 budget was predicated on a $40 billion spending plan. He added $2 billion to spending last year. We have to go back and see what exactly he has proposed in those spending. But, Peter, here's what I think is important. And this is something I've been asking from the governor for the past many months. In 2019, the governor talked about the future, that we're going to be looking at deficits, and in the governor's own directive to his state agency directors, find across the board 6.5% cuts within the agencies. Thank you. That was a good idea. The yep. governor still has not produced that document. That is his responsibility. I've asked it for him three different times. He is, and you know, if if you've asked your agencies to begin a six and a half percent cut across the board, show me the product. Start there. We can we can continue to to find efficiencies within state government, and that's where it's got to start first, Peter. But I want the governor to live up to what he has said that he's going to do, and also follow through with what I have asked him and said what he also said. He but that's part of a pretty old political dialogue is that everybody wants to see spending cuts and they want the other guy to put his name on it first. Well, but, that's but, why he's governor. Yeah. He ran for this job. And the fact is he is re- one who is responsible under the Constitution to propose a balanced budget. And uh, you know what? Again, we warned him last year, and uh, now he's in this situation, which was easy to predict. 
uh, I will work with this governor, but the fact is I need to know what his agency's plans are to be able to, ref to, re to trim down spending within these agencies because I'm not going to go back to the, I'm not going to go to the taxpayers and ask them to bail out the self-inflicted wounds that the legislature and the governor have imposed upon state finances. Okay, and we're going to leave it at that. Leader Durkin, thank you for being here. Peter, thank you very much. That was State Representative Jim Durkin, the Republican Minority Leader of the Illinois House. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock saying stay safe and thank you for listening.